Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we're continuing our series on Christ, our healer. It is kind of crazy because as I was looking at the number that we're on, we're already on number nine. I mean, I, I tell you what, time just seems to go faster and faster and faster. And I'm going, man, I feel like I just started this series. I don't even know that I've quite hit a groove on this series yet, and we're already at number nine. That is just absolutely incredible. And there's so much more for us to look at, of course, about the healing that God gives and the healing that God promises to those who meet his conditions. And we looked at one condition yesterday— and one of the conditions there was this idea of being inside of God's ordained order, being inside of God's ordained order. And we specifically looked at the idea of connecting yourself to a church, going and being submitted to God's man. And then, uh, of course, on the other the other side of it there is that simple obedience, uh, that God responds to that and that, that simple obedience, whether that was the um, oil that's being used and the laying on of hands being used by the pastor— uh, that's important, but then also it's the uh, calling for the elders. There's something for the person who's sick, also who has uh, who has to do that. Well, today, uh, because we didn't quite get as far as I was hoping to in James chapter five, because there's a lot when it comes to healing on this, we're going to continue to look at James chapter five, and so we're going to go ahead and read James chapter five again. Um, and so we'll start in verse one. It says this: "Come now, you rich." Weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you, and you will eat uh, flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury, and you have fattened your hearts as a day of slaughter, but you have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard from the perseverance, excuse me, heard of the perseverance of Job. And seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Anyone among you suffering? Is there anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is there anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is there anyone, any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and let the and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from, the, uh, from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. In fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, I was talking to somebody who had um, some sickness in their life, and I, I said, you know, uh, that this is kind of something that's really altering your life. Um, have you considered obeying the Scripture, you know, not casting it aside, but just obeying the Scripture and going and calling for the elders of your church, going and calling for the pastor to go and to anoint you with oil? Now, this is a theologian, and he doesn't believe in healing. Um, quite apparently. And he goes and he says, that's not what that passage is talking about at all. The passage is talking about somebody who's who's sick spiritually. It's not talking about somebody who's sick physically. In fact, it has nothing to do with physical illness. Now, I, I just want to point this out. And he's, he's in fact, he, he got real arrogant about it and said, you know, um, you need to read the context. In fact, if you need help with this, you can you, you can come to my school. Um, I take my class of uh, biblical interpretation for free, or something like that. I mean, it was it was really arrogant. Um, but but I wanted to point out just a couple things about this, because in verse thirteen, just before it talks about is anyone sick, it says, "Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms." It, is this talking about somebody who's suffering spiritually? Well, I mean, maybe you could say that, but then you'd also have to say that it's talking about just somebody who's cheerful spiritually. Well, then why sing psalms if you're already cheerful spiritually? Because that's probably what you'd already be doing. That seems pretty, pretty redundant. I mean, and just the natural reading of this would tend to say, what's the difference between suffering spiritually and being sick spiritually? Those, those kind of things sound the same to me, but nonetheless, it really gets clear when you start to look at this, and this is what I asked him. I said, well, it says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It didn't rain on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again, and the heavens gave out rain, and the earth produced its fruit. I said, you know, is this talking just metaphorically? Did did it just metaphorically not rain? Was it just that there was a spiritual drought? And of course, the man knows that's not at all what this is talking about. It's obviously talking about how prayer impacts the physical world, the physical reality. That prayer isn't just a spiritual thing. It's not just something that you go and you 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 look at and you you pray and oh it, it uplifts your spirit or something like that. But no, prayer in fact is something that actually can impact the the, the physical tangible world. It really can. It really can. But before we really look at that idea of prayer and the prayer of faith, uh, we need to look at something else here. We already looked at the order 
um, there that you need to be somebody who is in right order right there. You need to be connected to a local church. You need to be submitted to uh, to elders, to a pastor. You need to be then, then you need to also have that simple obedience. But then it says this in verse 15, it says, "...and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven." Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, if you are needing healing in your life, one of the conditions that you need to understand is that sin needs to be confessed. Sin needs to be confessed. Because in Psalm 66, 18, the psalmist says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What that sin does in our life is that it blocks our relationship with God. It hinders our relationship with God. It goes and it puts something between us and God, and it impacts our relationship. And so, therefore, grace is not flowing. So, in the same way of yesterday, when we looked at this idea that grace flows when you're connected to a church, but when you're not connected to a church, when you're disjointed from a church, then it makes it so that 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 uh, pathway for grace is like a hose that is kinked, a hose that is kinked. It's it, it's just not going to flow there. Well, in the same way, sin blocks God's grace from flowing as well. And so this is a condition that he has, that you confess your trespasses to one another, that you're actually going and asking for forgiveness of your sins. But there's a wonderful promise that's here, and that is that you will be forgiven. In fact, to go back to the first problem that I gave, that somebody comes up against this passage, because maybe you're you're going and saying, no, 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 this is just talking about a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. Well, then it's extremely redundant here, because it's not just that they're being healed, but it's also that their sins are being forgiven. There's clearly two things that are happening here. And of course, this is extremely important because remember, where does sickness come from? Sickness, ultimately, it comes from sin because we live in a sin-cursed world. But this one is also adding the this, this concept that you might be sick because of your sin or your sickness might continue on because you're refusing to take care of sin in your life. Now, this idea of confessing sin— I think this is really important to understand this, because confession isn't talked about a lot. Confess, it means simply to say the same as. And so what we're doing is that when we have sin in our life, we're going and we're calling it the same thing that God calls it, which means we have to see it the same way that God sees it. We see it as what Jesus Christ took upon him on the cross. He had to pay that for me. But then we're also not going out and we're not minimizing what's going on in our life. We're not going and saying, ah, it's just a little white lie. Ah, it's not. It's just a mistake. You know, we're not going out and saying that. We're going and saying, this is a sin. I'm confessing this sin. Lord, I recognize that this is a sin. And when we do that confession, of course, it naturally then leads us to repentance, because when you see it the same as God sees it, and you say it the same that God says it, you are going and going to turn away. You're going to treat it the same way that God treats it, and that is that you're going to turn away from that sin. Be away from that sin. Be separate from it.
And so when we look at this, this is important when it comes to healing. If you are struggling with sickness and and uh, and you're you're really you know struggling with this, whether it's a sickness, a disease, an illness, whatever it might be, you need to stop and you need to take some inventory of your life. Is there a sin that you've been minimizing in your life that you need to confess? That you need to confess. It also says this here in verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now, we've already talked a little bit uh, a few days ago about the prayer of faith, but I want to come down just a little bit further into this because it says at the end of verse 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So here we see it's not just the prayer of faith, but it is also then when you take that prayer of faith and you combine it with that confession, because when you're confessed, when you've gone and you've repented of your sins, what then do you have? You have righteousness that comes in. So the prayer of faith of a righteous man avails much. So maybe you're going and you're saying, look, I have the prayer of faith, but are you a righteous person? That's the question. Have you confessed your sin? Are you right with God? Because if you're not right with God, it doesn't matter how much faith you have. It doesn't matter. You're still not meeting God's conditions. God's condition for healing is more than just faith. There's so many people who need to hear that because there's a lot of people, because there's a lot of false teaching out there on healing on both sides of the spectrum. And one side of the spectrum goes and says something ridiculous that this uh, passage of scripture is not about healing. Another side will come out and go and say, look, all you need is faith. No, you need more than that. There are more conditions. One of these conditions is righteousness. You need righteousness, which means you need to have the confession of sin in your life. It's so important. And it avails much. When you put a righteous person and you go and you activate that righteousness with faith, then that's when we see God step in and he works because we're believing God and we're right before God. And he says, all right, now I'm coming in and I'm working. But I want us to see one more thing here this morning, because I think this is really interesting. It goes and it talks about Elijah, and it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What is it saying here? Elijah, yeah, he, he was a prophet of God. Yes, he did incredible things. I mean, so the stories of Elijah are amazing. But you need to remember Elijah was a man. He was a man. That's, that's what James is saying here. Elijah's a man. He's like you, flesh and blood, had the same struggles. He got tired and hungry too. And it says, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain on the earth, uh, and it did not rain in the, on the land for three years and six months, and he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So now it's interesting here because this word, obviously we have the word prayed and then we have prayed again, but then it also says earnestly. 
And I would think that when looking up this word earnestly, that it would mean something like, you know, earnestly. <laughs> That's what I would think that it would mean. But but it, it it actually, when you go and you look it up in the Greek, it's it's another word for prayer. So literally, it's Elijah prayed, prayed, and prayed again. Elijah prayed, prayed, and prayed again. There is also an aspect of being faithful that comes into play here. There are times when we have to go to God in prayer and we have to win in a spiritual battle. And it takes praying, praying, and praying again. It takes a fervent, ferventness, a ferventness. I don't know if that's a word, but we're going with it. In order to get that accomplished sometimes, because it does take faithfulness. But we see here there's a few things in this passage. Yesterday, we looked at that idea of being attached to the local church. And then today, we see here that it requires the prayer of faith and, conf uh, and confession of sin. And then we also see that it takes a working prayer, a prayer that says, I'm going to work. It's this idea of going and saying, I'm clinging to God until I get the blessing. I'm clinging to God until I get the blessing. I'm praying, praying, and praying again. I am committed to pray. Now, I'm still praying in faith. And of course, I'm activating that together with the righteousness because I've, I've confessed my sins. I'm right before God. But Lord, because I believe you, I'm going to continue to pray. I'm not going to give up because I believe that you will do what you said you will do. So today, I want you to remember three things. One, you need to have the prayer of faith, but that's not enough. You also need to have righteousness and you need to have faithfulness in your prayer life. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that one